You're listening to the Midnight Movie Snack Podcast with Chris and Garrett. Hello, and welcome to this bonus episode of the Midnight Movie Snack Podcast. I'm Chris, and tonight Garrett and I have the pleasure of speaking to two of my favorite people from my college days. Barry and Lori Lindbergh-Bell are a husband and wife team who have acted in theater, film, and television since the 1980s. In addition to their work as actors, Barry and Lori have also taught the art and craft of acting to many students over the years. Lori was my public speaking and voice class professor in college. Barry and I worked together in summer repertory theater during my college years. In addition to all of this amazing work that they have done over the years, Barry and Lori's work in film is what led Garrett and me to reach out to them for this interview. Barry appeared in one of the movies we covered this past summer, Maximum Overdrive, as Steve, one of the Dixie Boy mechanics. Lori has appeared in two movies Garrett and I have watched this year, Weekend at Bernie's and this week's episode, Hiding Out. We spoke to them a few months ago about their work in those movies, and now I am pleased to present, along with Garrett, our chat with Barry and Lori Lindbergh-Bell. So, so yeah, um... (laughs) So yeah, Barry, I wanted to, you know, as we, as we talk about maximum overdrive, I wanted to ask you uh, about that. Oh, Garrett, Garrett is getting ready to join us. Let me let him in. I feel low. There we go. There we go. Okay. I think he's there. He's going to join us. I like the wall behind you. That's cool. That's my virtual background. I use it for work. (laughs) Ooh, we need a virtual background. Ooh. They're great. Uh, that's the best thing they've ever added to Zoom. So we could be anywhere we wanted to back there. Absolutely. Yeah, you sure could. Uh-huh. You can make any background. I've, I've got like a whole library of backgrounds that, you know, like I jokingly at work have. Um, it's one of the Frank Lloyd Wright homes uh, that somebody did a bunch of photographs of the interior. And so I jokingly refer to it as my summer home whenever I'm having meetings with, uh, with colleagues. So. Falling waters is nothing. Oh, yes. <laughs> oh By the way, me... I, have a fr- I have a friend who's actually the caretaker for that house for about 20 years. Wow. And was there when they did all of the redo, Chris yeah. Cohen. Yeah. I was so jealous of him because to see it get redone and because it oh, was yeah. getting quite weak with the, where the water was and everything. Right. It's just amazing. Yeah. Yeah. What a dream job. Oh, absolutely. I mean, just the history, the architecture, the artistry. I mean, that's just, yeah, that's, that's yeah. amazing. Well, let me do a little bit of introductions here because Garrett has joined us. So Lori and Barry, this is my good friend, Garrett. He's the co-host of our podcast. Um, he and I, as I mentioned, we're both North Carolina natives. We love the films that were made in North Carolina. And uh, we're just, uh, we're really stoked to have this opportunity to talk to you guys. And I'll, I'll let Garrett speak for himself. <laughs> oh, no, it's just nice to meet you both. And uh, it's a pleasure for sure, uh, especially after seeing, we just got through watching, uh, we watched Hot and Out back in, back in uh, 
back in the fall and we watched Weekend at Bernie's and we just got through watching Maximum Overdrive. So I feel like we have seen you guys on screen already. So <laughs> and of course, Chris is every time we watch a movie, Chris goes, Oh, you know, Lori was in this movie. Oh, Barry was in this movie. So yeah, really neat to see all the stuff come together. Yeah. That's, that's great. Really, cool. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you too. Yeah. It's um, I, I've, I've regaled Garrett often with the, the stories that I remember you guys sharing back when I was at UNC Greensboro, um, uh, when I think, Lori, you were one of my first professors at uh, UNC Greensboro. I had two semesters with you doing speech. And, uh, and I, I, this is an opportunity for me to thank you too, because I learned so much in those classes that I'm still applying to this day. So just so many thanks for that. And thank you. And, and Barry, um, you and I worked together during uh, summer repertory in 1989 for UNC Greensboro. And oh. I just, I remember sitting in the dressing room with you and just listening to you talk about the stories of working on the films and, and all of that. And um, of course I learned a lot from you too that summer, just, um, just watching, you know, you guys perform. Was, um, that, was that Barefoot in the Park? Yes, it was Barefoot in the Park. And there was also that murder mystery comedy. I forget the name of it, um, but that that was the one I think I ran props on. And we got we got really punchy on that production. I remember it got to the point where we were trying to play practical jokes on everybody. Like we would put props on the set to try to get people to crack up and we're doing all kinds of crazy stuff. <laughs> Highly professional behavior. Oh, yeah. Yeah, oh, so oh totally professional. <laughs> hey, it's summer wrap. You're, you're uh, supposed to have fun. They don't have air conditioning, so they get what they get. Okay? Exactly. <laughs> it's Ceiling so fans, nothing. It's so true. It's so true. It is. Oh. But yeah, so I have a lot, obviously have a lot of fond memories of those and just remember you guys um, sharing stories from your experiences on these films. And I thought, you know, this would be a perfect opportunity just to, to talk about that. And also, you know, wanting to get your perspective on, you know, what was it like being a professional actor in North Carolina uh, during that time period? Because, I mean, filmmaking was somewhat new to the area in the 80s. Um, you know, there was a wealth of productions that were going on. So I was wondering if maybe we could kind of do this in a chronological order. So um, if we could start by talking about Maximum Overdrive, um, you know, talking about Barry, your experiences on the film. I've got a couple of questions. I think Garrett might have a question or two about the production. Um, we'd love to get sure. your perspective on it. But yeah, tell us a little bit about working on that film and you know how the role came about for you and and uh, what was it like working on the, the shoot? Well, the, um, it was just a, it was a regular audition. You know, uh, my agent called me and said, um, you know, the casting director for Maximum Overdrive would like to see you. And I said, great. And I went to the audition in Wilmington and then I was hoping King was going to be there because I was a big Stephen King fan of the books. So I took the short story book that Trucks, yeah. that the movie came from, is in. And I thought, I don't care if I get the job or not, I'm going to get his audience. So anyway, <laughs> I, uh, I sat in there and he was there and the casting director, Mary, I can't remember her name now, Mary something. And uh, I read and I read a couple of times and they said, uh, thank you. And as I was exiting, I ran up to the table and said, Mr. King, I know you're busy. I know you're busy, but I'd love to get your autograph. And he signed my book for me. And I went out the door and I was about halfway down the hall and one of the assistants came running out and went, Barry, Barry, come back, come back. 
And I went, okay. And they said, uh, they're reading all, they're reading the women and they want you to read against them. Just be a reading dummy to read against the, right. the women. And I went, well, all right. And my actor mind went, hmm, that's another 20, 30 minutes I get to be in front of them. I like this idea. <laughs> so I did. And I read with a whole bunch of the ladies who were auditioning for parts. And then um, they went on to something else and cut me loose. And I said, thank you very much. And I went and got in my car. And I was about, I don't know, it's a three and a half hour drive. I was probably about an hour from my house and the phone rang in my car and I picked it up and it was my agent, Rusty Wiggs. And he said, oh, by the way, uh, you're Steve Gaten in Maximum Overdrive, congratulations. And I had to pull over. <laughs> I bet. <laughs> I, I was just, I flipped out. So um, that's basically how how I got the role. That's awesome. I think it's pretty amazing that that you had a phone in your car in 1985, 84 when you were. Yeah, it was one of these big bag phones. Yeah, exactly. That's what I was. I that's what those. my mind's going. Like it's got to be one of those big bag phones. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. What a, what a, what a, it looked like a huge lunchbox. I, <laughs> yeah. I remember those. Very I, cool. I splurged and got one. This you know. Well, you well know, it was worth it, was obviously. So. Yeah. Yeah. That was a, a worthwhile investment, I would say. Yes, it was. Yeah. <laughs> so um, in talking about the audition process, so I know that you had you had already been in film. I, I remember you talking about um, one film in particular. I remember you talking about uh, when we were up in Burnsville was um, you worked, I think it was author, author. Um, or not author, author, it was Reuben, 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 author, author, that's Al Pacino. About an author, author. <laughs> <laughs> About but yeah. an author. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So you had some familiarity working in film prior to this. Um, and I know that that was, if I remember correctly, you had said that was a shoot that you had done up in New York. Um, Excuse me? The, so Reuben, Reuben was something you did up in New York. Is that correct? No. It wasn't okay. No, Reuben Reuben was done in North Carolina. Oh, okay. Uh, all right, I yeah. didn't know that. Yeah, okay. Reuben Reuben was shot all over North Carolina. Now they went to New York for some scenes, but I wasn't in any of those. Okay, maybe that's where I'm thinking. But so. yeah, I mean the, the the filming locations were Carolina and New York. Okay, that's where and, I was getting that I can remember. But the scene the scene I was in was in North Carolina. Okay, yeah, I where, think also uh, I remembered you telling me about your time that you spent up in New York acting. Um, like the time that I think you were, you said you were up there for a, a certain amount of time uh, before yeah. coming back to North Carolina. I did a couple, I did a couple of plays, but most of the time when I got work in New York, I got work leaving New York <laughs> and coming back down here. And then yeah. after a while, that's why I said, why am I paying all this money and living in all this dog poop and smoke? Why am I, <laughs> that was, I lived there before the pooper scooper laws. So, oh, yeah. so I came back down, down South. Yeah. So you get the role uh, on Maximum Overdrive. And if I remember correctly, you guys were shooting during the summer down oh, in Wilmington. And Garrett and I just went down to Wilmington back in May. And I know, Lori, you worked in Wilmington as well. Um, working wow. in the summer. Yes, it is just we were there and I think it was May. Garrett and I went down there for a day trip. And, you know, I've lived in North Carolina most of my life. And I'm familiar with humidity down here, but there's something about the humidity in Wilmington that just 
right there on the water. It was, it was, it was miserable. And being inside that, being inside the Dixie Boy, yeah, there was no air conditioning because it wasn't really a, you know, it wasn't a real building. It was a, it was totally built for the shoot because they were going to blow it up. And uh, there was absolutely no air conditioning, but they had a big compressor outside behind the building with a huge tube that had about a three foot opening. That's and where the, my chair was always. And, and between <laughs> shots, between shots, they would drag that into, and we would all fight to stand in front of it to cool off. And, <laughs> and then uh, when we came back up the camera, of course, the tube left. Right. Yeah, but it was it was it was miserably hot. I'm telling you. Yeah. There's something about I, when we were watching the movie last week for our um, recording our movie commentary. You know, one thing about the movie, and I know that. You know, we talked about this back in 1989 about just how the movie wasn't that well received when it came out. Although I think it's no. definitely gotten a cult following since. I think there's definitely it's unbelievable. Yeah, so it got a, a lot of press movie. though. The shoot, the shoot itself got a lot of press. Oh yeah. Oh, Long I remember the movie. Really, yeah. Once yeah. you got a, what a guy lost his eye, right? Yeah. Yeah. The, um, the director. Yeah. Of you know. Yeah. And that kind of colors it. Yeah. Too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I remember the press, even, um, you know, before I was even in college, because, you know, obviously, like you mentioned, Barry, being a fan of Stephen King, you know, I was definitely a part of that generation that like anything he wrote, I devoured. And oh, so yeah. when I heard, oh, he's directing a movie, he's directing it. And I knew the story it was based on because I had read it a few years back. Um, so I was really stoked about it. So I was trying to keep up with what was going on. And I remember reading about you know, the, the guy, the director of photography losing an eye and some other mishaps. And then some of the negative press about King and his directorial well, abilities. As a movie, as a movie director, King is a good writer. But <laughs> he, he, I mean, you know, and, and, and he's admitted this before. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he knew nothing about yeah. directing the film. Yeah, and set up a shot one day and said, "Well, now let's go on this other side and uh, shoot shoot from over here." And the whole place, <laughs> the whole place just froze. Like and Emilio Estevez goes, "Stephen, there's this thing called the axis, and you can't take that shot from over there." So that night, he went to the bookstore and got some film books, and uh, <laughs> of course, but you know. It's well documented that he was having, he was dealing with some of his uh, demons yeah. at that time, yeah. some of his addictions. Yeah, yeah. He and, was, uh, he's been quoted as saying himself, he said it was coked out of his mind. So, yeah. I mean, he said it himself. Well, he said it, he said right. it, and it was true. Yeah. yeah. Every 20 minutes, he had to run to his trailer to get a phone call. The yeah. 80s was really entertaining. And it yeah. wasn't That's on screen. Was... <laughs> yeah, he, had a, he had this giant cup of beer that held three whole, whole Held 36 ounces of beer. This guy's still alive. Oh, gosh. I know he's still alive, but he's admitted all of this. Okay. He's pretty crazy. Yeah. He'd slam one of those, and then he'd start nursing another, and then the first day, he would come up and go, we're going to wrap about three because Stephen's going to be asleep. (laughs) And uh, it happened more than once. But but he was... I, I was so enamored of him, and he was a lot of fun. Yeah. He just really didn't know what he was doing. He was decent. He was decent at, at giving you acting notes. That he was good at, yeah. at, at coaching, you know, coaching what he wanted out of the scene. 
But as far as shot selection and angles and, and limb size and all that, he, yeah. And the uh, the crew didn't help him a lot either. Yeah, I've I've read a I've read various things in doing research for the movie that yeah the the crew didn't hide their animosity. For, no, they did not for for King. And it was amazing how on one day they would speak perfect English, and the next day would they <laughs> they couldn't understand anything he said at all. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to ask about that about the yeah because they were they were Italian half was Italian crew or half Italian crew or yeah, something. Yeah, I would say I would say it was ninety five percent Italian. De Laurentiis, wow. right? That's right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Dino, it was Dino's Dino's crew. Yeah. Crew from ever. Okay. So, it did really not that do they really did use that bilingual wall? Yeah. 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 Yeah, I've heard. Now, that. I got a question yeah. about Dino. How how often was Dino actually on the set or came to visit or what? Uh, um, I don't think I may have seen him once. Now Martha, his wife, yeah, uh, at the time, had, had they been married yet? I don't think they were married at the time. Not at the time, no. Yeah, but uh, she was on the set, and then there was another woman who was head of production. And I can't remember her name. Blonde woman. <laughs> I can't remember her we name. We needed to bone up on uh, this. <laughs> but uh, she was on the set. But Dino, Dino rarely, okay. you know, if at all. We might see him at the studio, you know, if we were over there to do something. But uh, she on, was on more hands on. On location, no. Yeah, yeah. So there was something that um, I came across that I thought this would be a perfect question to ask Barry because, you know, you were on the set and you mentioned, you know, King's lack of technical ability. So there was a, a, I think it's mostly a rumor, but there, over the years, there's been some reflection on the rumor and thinking, well, it could be. Um, and the rumor is this, that um, Stephen King, when he was working on the film, he was visited by George Romero, filmmaker, Night of the Living Dead, mm -hmm. show, and and there's, so there's a rumor that uh, Romero actually helped direct part of the film. And, and the validation for that theory or that rumor is that some of the shots in the movie, some of these film nerds who really are all about Romero, they're like, this is just like a Romero setup, this angle and this shot, it's right. like total Romero. And so I was curious, do you remember seeing him on the set? Do you... No, any no. credibility that okay, I know but, that, but that doesn't mean he did. Was I mean, I wasn't there from beginning to end, you know, I was okay. there for the Dixie Boys section, so there was a lot of stuff that was shot before, and uh, well, not after that was the last, you know, the whole Dixie Boy thing, then blowing up and us taking off from the sailboat with the guy who owned the sailboat who kind of looked like me, but not me. <laughs> that wasn't you, that wasn't you got I was gonna ask you that because I thought yeah, that, that no, that's not me. They, he he was too nervous to let me drive the boat out of the dock, so they got him some overalls, and he had dark hair and a mustache. I mean, you know, and I stayed inside. And he when he, once he drove it out and got it out in the water, then I stepped up and stood up there behind the thing. But no, <laughs> no, I never. Uh, I too have heard that Romero came to the set. Yeah, uh, but I don't remember him being there when we were when in any of the stuff I was in. That yeah. I shot. Yeah, I think King has been asked the question, and his comment was that, yeah, George visited and he did consult with George, 
But um, and so it's possible that George was telling him, you know, this is how you should do these things. And so what we're seeing a good way of finding a good way of finding that out might yeah. be try to figure out when during the film he was here, and then it will tell you what scenes. Oh yeah, your cult fans really can see it. Yeah, they'll go well. It was this scene, and if yeah. it's during the time he was shooting that they were together, perhaps that influence was there. You know, that's that's a really I would think good that point. those scenes would be a hell of a lot harder to shoot those big action things with all of these people and all the stuff that's going on than the Dixie boy stuff in terms of what went on in that diner. Does yeah. that have a more, <clears throat> I don't know. And I think that's why he probably felt real comfortable with these guys was because it was more actor based as opposed yeah. to, Oh, well, then the truck will explode and the transformers will, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. So he may have been more comfortable with that. And then if Romero was around when those scenes were going on, maybe you could connect in that way. Yeah. That's that a good idea. Sense. Yeah, it yeah. makes total sense. Yeah. Um, yeah, we'll have to, Garrett, we're going to have some. Get your, get your people technical. on that, please. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> we're on it. <laughs> Go on it. Get on that. Yeah. Garrett's got the contacts. He, if he can find an answer to that, he there's there's somebody out there that can answer yeah. the question for him. King doesn't like to talk about Mac and Mobile Drive. In fact, he won't. Yeah. Uh, there's a couple more conventions that I'm going to anyway. And all these people, they've contacted him over and over and over and over. And he just will not, and neither will Emilio. He won't speak about it either. So uh, uh, Frankie Faison, Frankie Faison, yes. now he'll talk about it. He came to one of the things, one of the yeah. uh, What's her name was interviewed. And, um, and even um, Yeardley. Yeah. Uh, she, she, She's successful. She did an interview over the phone. She's yeah. richer than all of us. Ex yeah. <laughs> Not richer than King, but richer than everybody else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a funny story. One day on the set, she we were all sitting around. She said, well, I'm not going to see you guys for a couple of days. That voice, that voice is her voice in real life. She said, I'm not going to see you guys for a couple of days. And we said, why? She said, well, I'm going to New York to audition for some cartoon thing. You know, and the rest, after that is history, obviously. Wow, that's cool. Wow. You're going to go read with some cartoon thing. Yeah. Some cartoon <laughs> thing. Just, yeah, yeah just something. Totally downplay. Yeah. It's like one of the greatest animated sitcoms of all time. Yeah. And her voice is incredible. Oh, I mean, yeah. Just absolutely. Oh, she was born to play that. Yeah. To, to do oh, that. Yeah. And, and she's a sweetheart. Yeah. If she walked into my speech class, I would say, don't change the voice. Mm -hmm. Please don't change your voice. Yeah. No, I'm not going to fix anything. You just yeah. go on out there and something will find that voice. And it's just, you it know, it's, otherwise, if she just was an actress, somehow that voice starts to dominate everything she does. And I think that character really gave her that niche. Yeah. Oh, you know? Yeah, it has served her well. Absolutely. I mean, got one of the greatest lines. Curtis, are you dead? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's just, uh, we, we, we were her. laughing quite often at her, her comments in the, in the movie. Oh, she's hilarious. I mean, yeah. her, she, oh. yeah. She's very funny. Yeah. Very funny. And that's one of the things about the movie. You know, it was marketed as this horror film. You know, of course, it's King. But as we were watching it last week, because it had been several years since Garrett and I had watched it, um, we were just amazed at, like, the the humor in the movie. You know, sometimes the humor is dark, but yeah. there's also those very light moments of where she says stuff like that and characters saying and doing other things. Um, were you guys, when you were filming it, did you – have a sense that like yeah let's play the humor here or you know there's some things no no i don't think i no 
I mean, we all we all had a general not a general opinion that this wasn't going to be gone with the wind. But uh, uh, you know, I mean, we were like, oh man, okay, well, we'll see what happens. Yeah. But you know, like Lori said, the the, the cult falling has garnered since then. Uh, it's just amazing. I mean, the first time I got contacted to go to one of these things and sign autographs and stuff, I thought, okay. And they were several hundred people there and they were just like, uh, it was Pat Miller and I, um, Pat had played Joey. Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, people came up with this 50 year old man sitting between us with his arms around both of us tears pouring down his face. I can't believe I'm sitting with Joey and Steve Gaten. I just can't believe it. <laughs> and, you know, to me, I went, I'm just like, okay. Ride it, ride it, ride it out. Yeah, you know. Jeez. I was sitting at a table of people who were all trying to get their uh, Meisner acting certificates in Oregon. Okay, segue. Uh-huh. Yeah. So we're all sitting at lunch. It's the second week we've been together. Nobody really knows each other that well because it's this very intensive acting uh, technique shop and all this kind of stuff. Right. And you're exhausted yeah. and worn out. So we're all sitting around lunch one day and we start sharing resumes. So I, I didn't, I don't have a resume with me. Who cares? I said, just go on IMDb and you know look it up. Yeah. So they start getting on there, and my friend from Brazil screams at the other end of the table because she got to the to it faster than anybody else did and saw weekend at burnings turned to me down the table and screamed oh you must come on with me please because if you come on with me you can stay with me because everybody we love we love weekend at burnings she just lost it and i so apparently in weekend at burnings there it's very very popular and there's all these little cult things yeah yeah, I, I think Dude. all the like the three movies: Maximum Overdrive, Weekend at Bernie's, and Hiding Out. Um, does it have one too? I would say it doesn't. And you know, Garrett can speak to Hiding Out a lot because he spent a lot of time. I mentioned earlier about his passion for locations and and going and so finding. This is a very cool movie. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that and one and well, that one and Weekend at Bernie's too because. Yeah, it's hard to get everybody to believe that that house was really a house. I know it's not a house; it's a half a house, right? With plastic on the back of it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, even when we watched it, knowing that, watching it, it's like it's it's stunning. It's phenomenal looking on screen. I mean, they did a wonderful job. It's it's all put together all over the place. Like the scene, um, well, in Hiding Out, it's all over the place. When that diner was built in a big empty gymnasium so that they could light it from the top, they could raise and lower the roof, they could adjust stuff because that scene required a lot of angles and, and everything yeah. until he jumps out of the window and then he's in Boston. Okay, right. and then all of the chasing starts. Yeah. So you would walk into this gym and that was my first movie and you would walk into this gym and all of a sudden, because I'm very tall, I walk in and, and you could hear somebody in the back go, all right, let's raise this up about four, nope, a little bit more, <laughs> more. And the, the roof was going up. Right. right. Wow. Adjusting to me because everybody else is sitting down and I'm six one. So that everything, I'm the only one moving around so that everything was adjusted to me. And then there was a ring of people around the top of it looking down and those were writers and the producers and they were all up there watching what was going on because that, being built was a big deal yeah and i don't 
I don't remember the bill. All I know is I worked with this team of people on lots of different films. Yeah. And this was the guy that directed it. You remember the, the uh, commercial where Michael Jackson's hair went on fire? Yes. Yeah. Yes. That's his, Bob. Com- that Bob, Bob. Giraldi or Giraldi or something. Yes. Bob Giraldi. Bob yeah. Giraldi. Thank you. I can't Very say nice. You. Yeah. Very nice guy. And so anyway, um, and because they were really into that shaky camera, move it all over uh-huh. the place stuff that went on in the 80s that made yeah. them nauseous. Yeah. Okay. They wanted to be able to do that at will inside a really small space, that diner. Um, I don't know whether it was worth it once you saw it because there's nothing used that I could remember that they all wanted to have happen. But, but because the, uh, they were up there watching everything, you could see that they were actually writing stuff to figure out how to get out of the diner through mm-hmm. that window to Boston. Yeah. And they wanted to do this long tracking shot all the way around and Bob was really sweet and said, let me show you what I'm doing and you'll get more camera time. He liked to teach. He also liked tall women, but that's not <laughs> I believe he's still in Turkey for um, illegal reasons. Okay. And I'm not lying. Yeah. I think I could be right. We, Garrett, could you get on that, please? Um, I will get on it. I will definitely get on it. <laughs> he'll do the he'll do the detective work on that. Well, I mean, detective. I know he owns a restaurant in New York City. I can tell you. I mean, I know that he co-owns. I don't know if he's. I don't know if he's in the country, but he co-owns he's, it. He's a remote partner. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He was very nice, but anyway, he shows you how to stay on camp. Be get a lot more camera time with this thing floating all around and everything. So um, that was weird. I would imagine as watching, realizing this in a gym in, uh, in Wilmington yeah. where everything is under control. And then you quickly go to Boston where he smashes through the window and it's a pretty yeah. nicely seamless it is. job. Yeah. Yeah. We were commenting. Well, I looked, I looked at the Google map. You could look at pictures of the, of the diner of on the inside of, you can, you can see pictures of people taking on Google, you know, how they had to leave reviews. So I looked at the, I looked at all the pictures, the current pictures of the diner, compared it to the pictures in the movie. It looks almost completely identical. So oh, I was wow. like, I was, I was believing that it was actually the same. It was filmed on location, like in the diner. And this, you're blowing my mind because I'm like going, yeah. that means they, they did a fantastic job on set. I mean, on I know. building it, that to T. And it's two so different environments. One very, very and one obviously not it was raining i think it, there was weather is in, in involved in the once he jumped out that window it was, yeah, you know it was wet and they also and kind of went to a black and white he had interesting color techniques he used on different treatments for wherever he, the, the film was if that makes sense yeah. mm-hmm. you could kind of see that yeah yeah, I just that, that's amazing though it, it certainly makes sense though the way that the set was designed to get all the kind of angles because I remember watching that scene with Garrett and thinking this looks like a really tiny diner and some of the shots it's like where was the cameraman because I mean he must have been like hunkered right back in a corner or something all kind of under here and then yeah. the, the shot got higher as the scene went on it started yeah. off low so it's like a, a nostril shot because <laughs> all the guys are at the table you know yeah so it starts it's like 12 angry men whatever the director of that is so we started it low by the end of it but the camera gets higher as this goes on and then he goes out flies yeah. out jumps out the window yeah um, yeah 
Well, but, I remember, so was I that remember. filmed in a, you said a gym, was it filmed like in a high school gym or a middle school gym? I, it was an empty high school. It was an old gym. So it felt like, it was, I can't, let's we'll see. Actually, the makeup trailers were right outside of what looked like would have been a, a cafeteria because we ate in there. Was it the same? I mean, I just paused. I'm just curious. Was it, you think it's the same, the same school that used for the, it wasn't that same school. They <laughs> no, used that one is a more modern school. And that was in, in Wilmington. And I'm, I'm not familiar where that school was, but that was shot in Wilmington. Am I right? So, yes, it was. Yes. So, so, so where, so where was the gym for the, for the diner scene? The diner scene was, it, it was in Wilmington. Oh, okay. And, yeah. All right. And it was an old film, old high school, junior high school, something like that. And then we ate in the cafeteria. I'm very old. I don't remember all these things. Gotcha. Um, oh, yeah, I understand. That's yeah, that's right. Um, and, and it was also my first movie. It was the first thing I'd ever done. I'd never had any camera lessons whatsoever, which is such a joke why people gave me camera jobs to teach acting because I had no experience. <laughs> I had one day in one acting class, Bill Wentz acting class in my graduate school where we played soap opera and were on camera. And that's the only thing I'd ever done. So I was a nervous wreck. Wow. But it was so involving and they were so interesting. And the guys, the, you know, the three stars were all great. And yeah, Mr. West Wing, whatever his name is, I can't oh, yeah. remember, was really John. sweet. Yeah. 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 Sad. Oh, yeah. 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 He's terrific. Great actor. actor. Mm -hmm. yeah. And he was one of those kind of older actors that always walked up and go, so little girl, how you, you know, and very, <laughs> oh, you're wonderful. And one of those nice, supportive guys. Yeah. And the other guys were too busy being young and young and <laughs> <You're famous. right. laughs> and intense very intense well it's it, it's a great scene and i think you know you uh your your comment your line in the movie when crier asks for i think was it bourbon or he asked for scotch or something <laughs> you're like at seven o'clock in the morning or whatever the line i know yeah just perfect. But what I loved is when uh, when I was taking your classes, because um, I think you had already. So you shot Hiding Out. That was see, that was an eighty seven Garrett. Am I right? Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So you had already like I came to UNC Greensboro in eighty eight, but I remember you telling us the story about working on that and your experience working with John Cryer, and um, and then I also remember because I think you were actually. Um, I was taking your class when you got the Weekend at Bernie's uh, gig. Oh, and, wow. And I, I think you actually, I can't remember if you were going to be out during school. And I don't know if you arranged like a substitute or something, but I remember we were all like waiting for you to come back because we wanted to hear how it went. I remember this now. Wow. Yeah, that's right. And it was so, it was so fun just listening yeah. to you share working on you know working on that shoot and I the one thing I remember correct me if I'm if I'm wrong in remembering this that you said working with Jonathan Silverman and Kathy Catherine Mary Stewart if I remember correctly that they were an absolute delight but that uh Andrew McCarthy was a little hard getting to know that he was a little more less Sir. accessible I think is what, yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, he was a little more reserved. And I think actually he seemed, um, he's one of those actors that when you work with them, uh, they're very nervous about what they're doing and, and how they're doing and very concerned with how they're doing is, is you know, as opposed to Silverman and, and Kate, they would play, 
Yeah. You know, I can't, it was, felt very authentic, but he felt a very uh, need to be, he, he actually was kind of like working with people that end up, which he has, becoming directors. Yeah. I've they have this third eye kind of yeah. thing. And he's yeah. supposedly quite good. I've heard he's very good, mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't surprise me actually, but, and he was young at, at that point. Yeah. I was with the whole brat pack, it feels like, you know? I know, it's... Probably, yeah, yeah, they, but they were very nice. Um, the, uh, uh, coolest thing about working on Weekend at Bernie's, well, there was a number of interesting things, but a, a lot of learning experiences. When we got there, Bernie had broken his shoulder by the Mork-like slamming him into the sofa on his head. Yes. You remember that? Of yes. all, all of that, uh, the stunts that he did, that's what hurt him. Ugh. dragging him behind the golf cart, throwing him off the balcony, all of the things that he did. They just turned him up and sat him on his head and it snapped his collarbone. So <sighs> when I got there, I was only supposed to work about maybe three days. Mm -hmm. So I had a day rate, which is a, is a nice amount of money. Yeah. Um, well, this job turned into two weeks long because it took him a long time to heal enough. Wow. And that whole party scene is, is all around him. Mm -hmm. And so you had to shoot for as long as Bernie could sit up because sitting up with a broken collarbone sucks. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. So we, so we not only had to wait for him to get better, we had to shoot around him to make sure he could get through things and everything. It was very nice, but I don't, I don't think I got to know the actor that was really there because first off, he never, doesn't say anything and he sits there quietly yeah. and he was, as I hope he was completely pain-free. Yeah. Okay, because yeah. I can't imagine what he was doing. So he was very in character. Yeah. Um, but waiting for that, I got, uh, meant I was going to get two weeks. This is awesome. It helped pay for a Subaru. I was going to get two weeks of day pay as opposed to two weeks of weekly pay. Mm -hmm. So the producers quickly realized that they were losing money on this and showed mm -hmm. up in their Ferraris and their Right. Aston Martin, whatever the hell these cars are, these huge <laughs> Italian men coming out of these tiny little cars and like <laughs> popped out of these cars and coming running up charmingly asking us if we would take day uh, weekly rates, if we would re-sign the contract since we were going to be there longer. And this is my first uh, job where I actually qualified for my um, SAG card. A good friend of mine, what's his name that owns the hotels? Jack Hallett. Jack Hallett was also in this movie. And he quickly came over to me knowing that I didn't know anything and went, don't do anything they tell you to do. Everything they're telling you to do is because they don't want to pay you more, more money. And so I said, no, everybody said no. And they got back in their little red car. Uh, so when we sat there, you know, at this really nice hotel, and it was a great couple of weeks. Yeah waiting or sitting out on that beach waiting for bernie to feel better so yeah so, yeah, yeah. I, I remember when you came back we were all just so excited and you know and i remembered what i remember was that in the filming with with terry being in the condition that he was and having to film around him and how to extend it so there were those were night shoots am i right well yeah a lot of them, well some of them were night shirt shoots but they also had the capability of the wall windows mm -hmm. also had these huge sh uh, darkening shades that would come down. Oh, and so okay. if the if the weather was, 
I don't know whether this is true or not, but it seemed like when the weather was either rainy or overcast, they could pull those down and it actually looked like nighttime. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. Um, but so some of it was in the day, some of it was the night. And if you think about it, the, the, actually the, the beginning of people showing up for the party where they're all nervously running around trying to make sure everything looks okay. Yes. That's like pre-sunset, then the sun sets, they go out. Right. And, you know what I mean? Yeah, there's all the stuff out on the pool and all of that. Yeah. Yeah. And so that was as the sun was setting, that was actually another day. But um, in the in the side of the um, big party room, that was a lot of night shoots. Yeah. Yeah. And I was with my first acting teacher. Really? Yeah, the guy that I'm pursuing in the, um, this is such a big plot line. The guy that I'm pursuing, if I didn't have on that sheet, I have on this, this I walked onto the trailer for uh, hair and makeup. You can tell they have absolutely no idea what they're going to do with me. And this very gay voice from the back goes, oh my God, I can use the fabric. And I came in there and so just wrapped me up in all of this blue and white Yep. stuff that he was doing and, no. and i became the author oh, and i just quit smoking and they had her smoking with a with a holder that yeah. Was, uh, yeah that was hard but anyway the guy that i was with <clears throat> that's my first acting teacher from north carolina school of the arts james beard and um that was kind of cool yeah kind of, you know 360 i yeah so i, I remember there being a, a young skeet yorich or i, I say that chris skeet orange. orange yeah skeet orange was in that scene yeah. Do you remember working with him at all? Who is that? Skeet, Skeet. Ulrich. He's on he, Riverdale now. Yeah. Um, it was, he's, it was like he's, he was, he's in the crowd. He's one of the first, it's one of his first cameos. Or He was a kid. No, I'll have to go back and take a look at that. Yeah. I, I probably yeah. do and, and don't, yeah. Yeah. It, it was a, yeah. I remember the name. I do too. I mean, he's yeah, been. Some, I don't. I, I don't Skeet, know his full full, yeah, full filmography. To, uh, he was in the first Scream film that Wes Craven directed. Uh -huh. um, that was kind of where he had his his big claim to fame. And since then, he's done a few movies, television. He's like Garrett said, he's on Riverdale now. I mean, Riverdale is probably like the teens, or I mean, by the young the young generation. I don't cool. know him from Riverdale. I mean, yeah, sweet. Yeah. That's yeah. good. I'm glad to hear that. That's great. Yeah. Yeah, and it, and I heard there was a rumor that that uh, John there's a there's an actor who who was the first Superboy, what's his name? Uh, Chris, you remember? I'm trying to look it up. Yes. John Newton. John um, John something. No, let me see. Hang on one second. Because no, you're, you're, I, and I'm glad you're bringing this up, Garrett, because I <coughs> Barry, I think you and I this was something that we had talked about when we were in Burnsville. Um, what was his name? John Newton. John Newton, but it was something else at the time. He had another. Yeah, yeah. he, went he, by was, something he had like a name. hyphenated name or something like that. He's from North. Was Carolina. he in Weekend at Bernie's? Is that what you're saying? Well, he, I, he, was he, he he auditioned for Weekend at Bernie's. That's right. That's and right. he was, and when he was there, he was offered the role of Superboy. It's weird. He says that they said no, but we got something else better for you or something, and he ended up being Superboy for a season. I don't, you know. Yeah, Barry, did you ever run into him? Because I thought I remembered us talking about him and that John Hames Hames Newton. That was what yeah, he John was Hames for a long Newton. time. That's right. Yeah. Did you Not that him? I remember. Okay. Not that I remember. It's possible, but uh, I may be remembering it wrong. Yeah. Hmm. I'm looking it up. <laughs> well, he That's was from he, he he was from North Carolina, and he was down there. I think with he was with his family. 
a vacationing. This is sounding and, very familiar now that you're going. Yeah, yeah I, I I think yeah. I remember the situation that in and him getting that role. I don't believe I ever met him because if right. he wasn't on there, I wouldn't have. But that's cool. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, well, 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 Lori, we kind of, we went right into talking about the production. What was the, um, you know, kind of the auditioning for Weekend at Bernie's and, you know, how did that go about? Who cast that? I don't remember. Is that, um, I think that was, is that cast by um, the guy from, he just got the Academy Award for Best Casting, Lifetime Achievement, whatever the hell. Lynn Stallmaster. Lynn Stallmaster was a big That's casting who it was. director. Yes. Yeah. Okay. And Lynn Stallmaster was, if, if you could get into Lynn Stallmaster fan club, yeah. i.e. he was a fan of you, yeah. you could get a lot of, at least a lot of opportunities to audition. Doesn't yeah. mean you're going to get the job, but you could get yeah. a lot of great opportunities. And he was wonderful and very supportive. And I believe he may have also done Hiding Out. But I got two or three different things from him and a couple of TV movies that I just, you know, he put me up for the right thing, that kind of stuff. He, he was really nice. So um, audition, I, it's another four and a half hour drive from Greensboro to Wilmington where you go in and what did I have? Four lines. It seems like more because I have more springtime, but it's very short. Yeah. So when in it somehow i had to justify trying to sell tom sawyer as a gay oh sherlock um, holmes sherlock yeah. holmes and dr Watson. Sherlock, yes thank you <laughs> thank you which i thought was absolutely hysterical so i i think i remember being kind of drunk i said well this is stupid so i was sort of drunk and that was all i really remember um, I, and my acting teacher wasn't there. So they weren't auditioning for that other role because that was part of the scene. So I, I didn't yeah. know that he'd gotten that till I ended up on the set, but yeah. yeah. And there was all, one of the things that's funny and you can attest to this, we're called character actors. We can play everybody over 30, blah, 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 not anymore, but you know, that kind of stuff. And I'll, I'm always, we're always anybody's best friend. I'm always anybody's best friend, their doctor, teacher, psychiatrist, that kind of stuff. Right. So there's a lot of those sorts of roles um cops detectives crazy people you know this this guy um, <laughs> yeah that kind of bad stuff. guy bad guy nurses and receptionists that kind of thing so um there's only so many actors here that ended up having the skills even though i had no training skills to do this and then yeah. there's only so many actors that can do this and not freak out if they're in scenes with movie stars because they can somehow start changing because they're just not really comfortable. So if you've got a reputation for being very easy to work with, you meld in real well to already moving trains, you know what I mean? Nothing stops just because yeah. you join the team. Right. Um, they like that. Um, and because you're a character actor, there's a lot more roles kind of available for you if you're not over 40 and a woman. <laughs> so, and there comes teaching. <laughs> so anyway, um, but when you audition for these things, there's maybe 10 of us yeah. women. We all do those roles. That's all we do. <laughs> we do that's, those that's roles. That's very true. It's real true. Every time I would get go to Wilmington, there was same about way. eight or nine of us who, who were up for the same role. And we all knew each other and we were all friends. And you know, one of us would get it and one of us would get it the next audition. Oh, you booked so and so. Yeah, well, congratulations. That was great. You know, you did a nice job. Blah, 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 blah. There was that much. Never work. Any, never yeah. any, any animosity. But in the 80s, there was so much work in Wilmington. Yeah. I, I remember actually in two days shooting three different things. 
going from the set of Matlock. Um, I was going to ask you about that. That's cool. Yeah, set of set of Matlock to to the first seasons of Dawson's Creek. I played the gym coach, and then they made Dawson's dad or one of the leads' dad and coach, and I lost the job. But uh, it it happens, you know. Yeah. But I mean, you know, doing 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 one show and then going to a night shoot of another show in the, in the same day. I mean, it was just yeah. nuts. There was so much that so much work at, at that time. And and it's it's picking up, especially if you're in Atlanta. It's picking yeah. up a lot. And Wilmington's picking up a little bit. Before COVID, it was trying to pick back up. Yeah. And I did a couple of things during that. Um very, very kind of busy time with that. And so, you know, it's different. Yeah, it's coming back. I mean, like Scream was like the, the I think the most recent Scream film was was just got through wrapping up. That they did Halloween. they did two Halloween films. Yep. Uh, Jamie Lee Curtis you know, somebody, was back. Yeah, do you guys know a woman named Francine DeCourcy? Why does that name sound familiar to me? Yeah, she came, she went to UNCG, um, got a graduate program yeah, yeah. there, degree there, and she is in Wilmington and she's a um, she has done everything, casting, location. She's been a whole big part of all of that, but she's oh. also a huge part of bringing it back. Francine DeCourcy, um, if you will contact me on Facebook, I will hook you guys up. Yeah. She has an enormous amount of history of Wilmington oh, and the movie tough. industry. Um, she, she couldn't be in my wedding because she had to drive Sissy Spacek and whatever the other two women's name were in that movie, the Southern movie where she sticks her head in the gas oven. Um, oh, um, place anyway, she, no, place, uh, no, um, Crimes, uh, of Crimes of the Heart. Crimes of the Heart, that's right. right. Well, Francine was supposed to be in my wedding, but no, she had to drive those guys around so they could go antique shopping, which apparently <laughs> those guys like to do a lot. But since then, she has been really ensconced especially on the other side of the camera mm -hmm. they know more than than i'm that interested in knowing because they're more intricately involved in a lot of stuff and they're longer yeah. so she's a really cool person as you go on this wilmington thing yeah. you're going on uh -huh. that would be a good contact person for tons of people too. okay um, yeah i'll definitely follow up with you on that you spoke about halloween the guy who ran the last convention i just came from in wilmington owns the replica of the michael myers house yeah which is in north carolina yeah right? in Wilmington. Yeah. yeah he had yeah. his house built as a replica of it yeah 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 he opens and it up at halloween time yeah i've, yeah. Uh, I've heard about was it. that yeah. Yeah. yeah that is neat i didn't even know that that's yeah. cool yeah he's a young what they're doing he's yeah. a young guy and uh i've lost his name now but at any rate uh he organizes all of these movies that well, have he has a thing. He has a thing called Onset Cinema, where he goes around and has these little conventions on the sets of where movies were shot. Yeah, Garrett, you would love uh, this. <laughs> I would definitely yeah. love this. Yeah, this is Rob yeah. Myers Myers House Productions Onset Cinema. Okay, and you can check check him out. Uh, okay, he was. Oh, he had uh, on their website. It tells you where each little thing is going to be. I remember the uh, the he one he was the one he was supposed to do after Maximum Overdrive was from uh, Silence of the Lambs, but right at the last minute the town flipped out and and denied him access. Huh. Uh, they backed out uh, the whole deal. Tell them what happened in Wilmington with the mayor. What? Oh no! In Wilmington, in, in Wilmington that night we had a lot of the 
firefighters and one of the um, mayor assistants to the mayors or something at the thing. And they loved the idea. And they, they, they said they're going to do it every year. And why don't we do more of this since so many were shot here? Yeah. Yes. So, so I thought that we'll was... We'll see what happens. Yeah. You know, but this guy's great. A, I mean, I would, I'd love to see more of that. I mean, because yeah. there's a lot of stuff. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, definitely. But uh, check him out, Onset Cinema. Yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah, that's great. Cool. That's really great. Um, I know we're coming up on the hour, uh, but there was one this was question. Fun, I know it's I, it's, it's I, I cannot tell you how great this has been just to catch up with you guys because it's been so long and it's just yes, like you are two of my favorite people from my college days. And so, <laughs> And Just, I can attest, he tells me that all the time. So. Yeah, I mean, I, I, you guys, your ears have been probably burning for the past year because every time something would come up and I'm like, oh, I remember Lori telling me this. I remember Barry telling me this. Yeah. And, and, and ever since Greensboro, um, I, I was always, if I knew something was being shot in North Carolina, I would try to watch it and I would always be looking out for you guys. And Barry, I remember the Dawson's Creek episode. I actually, it's like, I know him, um, you know, so, uh, so yeah. And I, so I've, um, you know, I, I just love like looking at your guys, you know, your track record and all the things that you've been doing. And, and I, I, I did one so, thing. I was wondering yeah. if, cause I don't know why yeah. this might be, you know, this, this the outcast, uh, it was, um, it, Oh, the it was TV a, show outcast. Yeah. 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 yeah outcast but only lasted about a season. Right. Were you familiar with, because I did a, a scene and a couple of scenes in that, but were you familiar with it when it was, the, it was a, it's a car, it's not a cartoon, that's not what you call them. Is it a, a graphic novel or? Thank you, book? graphic yes. novel. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then they tried to bring it, mm-hmm. uh, it was in South Carolina, so this has yep. nothing to do with Wilmington, but anyway, um, but that was the last thing that I did and that, that just dissipated. Yeah, it only, it only ran for one season and it was really a surprise because the creator behind that show is also the creator of The Walking Dead. No, so no. when that when Outcast, it was I think it was part of his production deal that he had signed with the yes. studio, and there was a lot riding on it that it was going to be another Walking Dead franchise, and for whatever reason, it just didn't happen. But it's a very popular, from what I understand, a very popular graphic novel. Mm. Uh, mm. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, you know, I think some people like, found the casting kind of interesting. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I remember some of the folks that were um, Patrick, um, the lead Patrick. Uh, what, Guy what from England. Yeah. I had no idea he was British. Yeah, I know. No, I, I, I never met him. No yeah. idea about him. Nothing. Sorry. Just don't know. I don't watch a lot of stuff. If it's not done before 1977, I don't really give a shit. So <laughs> no. I, I don't I don't care. Anymore. I don't want to know anymore. I already know enough stuff. I'm just going to enjoy That's this. Right. But he and I got in, we were in scene, we had a long scene, was talking and crying and talking and stuff. And then he walks off and instantly goes into this British accent. I, I just was, how they, how he was incredible at hiding yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, I was wondering if that sort of side of him mixed with somebody who was American and, you know. Yeah. Yeah. It was interesting. Yeah, it definitely is. And, I, and I'm sitting here thinking that the fact that, he was able to pull off the accent and you didn't catch on to it. I mean, I would have thought it's impressive. anybody that have any more, any other questions? Um, the one last question I had, because we were, when we were talking about maximum overdrive, 
Um, so Barry, I know you worked with the um, veteran actor, Pat Hingle. Yes. The late <laughs> And, um, you know, as a, as a child of the 70s and 80s, I mean, I, I remember Pat in so many movies. Um, I just wanted to ask, what was it like working with Pat? Uh, what were your... You know, I didn't, have as, I didn't have as close a contact as like, um, as like Pat Miller, who played Joey, did, mm -hmm. and a couple of others. But uh, just, you know, in between shots uh, at lunch... Um, just a very, very sweet, genuine man who, you know, uh, okay, I need to go home with my wife and have dinner. Let's get this shot done. <laughs> and, you know, and, and he would, other people would voice their opinions about the film and Pat would just smile and not say anything and let it go. But, uh, you know, he, he was very uh, nice generous kind you know just a sweet man all the all the way around I and him. i remember him going you know stephen where did you get these expressions i don't give a june bug <laughs> i've never heard a southerner say that in my entire life <laughs> you know he said i've come he said, I'm, he's, he said this i'm playing this gruff nasty guy and i use things like i don't give a june bug <laughs> okay we commented on a couple of those lines where we're like where did he get this stuff I mean, it's just yeah, it was crazy yeah i know i know a lot of us true southerners you know when when, when steven that's uh i've never i've lived in the south all my life i've never heard a southerner say that but, oh uh, I got one question about Emilio Estevez. What was he like working with on set? Because that was right during his, you know, uh, breakfast Lyle, club. and He was taken off. Yeah, he was a sweetheart. He was a really nice guy. He was nice and he was nice and friendly and fun. And, uh, you know, uh, and he was very in love. Demi Moore came to the set. Yeah. And she had this huge head of hair. And mostly stood with it hanging over her face and eyes, and she may have said, "You know, she said, this is this shy. is my girlfriend Demi or whatever." She, I mean, she must she was on the set I know for a, a week or so, and she may have said six words. She was just wow. very quiet, very shy, but he was a, he was a sweetheart. Loved to drink beer, uh, you know. And what did um, you do with that bar you graduated? Oh, well, he used, to, he used to ask, he went to a bar in Wilmington a couple of times and got mobbed by some of the local ladies and oh, the local yes. gentleman did not like it. I'm sure. So, he, so, so he asked a bunch of us if, if uh, he went back, would we go as his bodyguards? He said, I'll pay for your beer if you'll just hang around. So we never actually did it. But uh, he did ask us about it, you know. But, uh, no, he was terrific. He was, uh, you know, I, there was only one person who was difficult to work with, and that's neither here nor there. Well, actually, two. But um, he was terrific. Uh, just uh, he couldn't have he, he couldn't have been nicer to any, everybody, from the lowest person to the biggest person. Uh, just a really sweet guy. That's always good to hear about good, yeah. people of his caliber. You know, right. it's his. Um, yeah, his usually the big ones are. 
Yeah. 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 They're, they're actually the, very nice. It's the middle ones. It's the middle liners who have usually have the attitude. Get up there. Yeah. They're yeah. more nervous. Yeah. All right, Barry, I got one more question about your hair. Was your hair, was that your, was that your, was that naturally or is that, or is that a perm you had in the, in the movie? That was my, that was my real hair. I okay, I'm scared. Well, it's so I, different, well, isn't it? When I, when it does know, look straight. It looks very straight there. It looks more it, wavy. It is. It's, it's very straight and gray now, but when I, that's my real hair. I, when I was, uh, <laughs> till about, I turned, I was about 30, 34 years old when that shoot. Mm -hmm. And, yeah. uh, no, I had dark brown curly hair. Yeah. Well, that's, I appreciate that because well, it's it's it, it, it's not as thick as it used to be, but I still it's still <laughs> curls. So. Yeah, yeah. So um, yeah, and you know the heat and the humidity kept it curly all the time. Of course, yes. Yeah. There are pictures of him with a massive fro. Massive. <laughs> oh my! Yeah, I'll, like yeah. a moving fro. I understand. I, 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 I totally get it. Yeah. A white, a white, a white guy fro. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I've, I've lived with a white guy fro my whole life. I mean, this go. is hair product, keeping it down. So. <laughs> I love it. Oh. But, you know, those are the days. Matlock, Walker, Texas, Rain. I'm a Walker was in Texas. Uh, Matlock and Dawson's Creek and. Oh yeah. All those movies of the week. You know, that we used to call them the. You know the disease of the, of the week. week. Yeah. Disease of the week. The yeah. murder of the week. Yeah, I mean, I mean, one one TV movie would have uh, somebody dying of something. The next thing, there'd be four of them in a row. Face yeah. on a milk carton. Remember the faces on the milk yeah. carton? Yes, yes, yes. And Lori, oh, the, the Ryan, Ryan White, White story. That's right. I remember dying, that. Dying, yes, lots of death. And then lots the next month, it would be people having affairs and the affair. You know, basic instinct. There'd be the affair killing them, and you oh, know, yeah. Just, they were they were hokey and everything, but they were there and then they were lucrative and uh, mm -hmm. yep. we got cast a lot and uh, you know it was fine while it lasted. Uh, I I I got once I got I auditioned thirteen times for Matlock, thirteen different episodes I auditioned <laughs> for. Wow! And finally, I got to know the producer really well because he liked me, but he couldn't get the directors to cast me, and. Uh, so the last one I walked in, I would no one boot I was in. I was joking, of course. But I I walked in and went, okay, who do I have to screw to get a job on this thing? <laughs> and and, uh, <laughs> and the director, the director, Chris Hilbert, who we became good friends and he cast me a lot, he went, well, during this current regime, that could be possible. <laughs> Something like that. I mean, it was just, we, we just laughed and had a good time, and I read and I got the job. And then, uh, you know, after, after, once you got on and they liked you, they would put you on uh, once a season. They didn't want you to be on twice a season. They didn't want anybody to tie the same actor. Right. Yeah. But yeah. You, you could at least get a gig at least once a season. So. So, so how was Andy? How was how was Andy working with Andy Griffith? I mean, because you know he's a legend here in North Carolina. So yeah, a Andy is not Andy of Maybell. Not at all. Okay, I've uh, heard that. No I've heard that. I've heard that too. Face in the crowd. You know that movie? Oh yeah. That's, that's more. That's more Andy. Oh wow. I'll just leave it at that. That's yeah. more Andy. Okay. Uh, yeah. He was he, he he was always nice to me. He told the. Uh, casting Not John him. Bayless, the, the head of makeup, when I came back for another episode, he said, what did you do to Andy? And I went, oh my God. 
because everybody knew if you pissed Andy off, you were done. Yeah. Or if he saw you smoking, he was so anti-smoking, you would never work on the show again. Oh, wow. The crew, the crew used to get in the back of the prop truck and drive off and smoke as much as they could at lunch and then come back. But <laughs> Andy would fire you if he saw you with a cigarette. Uh-huh. And he said, what did you do to Andy? And I went, oh, God, what, what, did I say something wrong? And I said, he said, no, no, no. He came in here and said, he said you know that boy that played that uh, kidnapped guy? I like him. I like him a lot. I think he needs to work on this show. And I went, oh, okay. Yeah. But we sat, we sat in the chairs waiting to go up for camera one night and talked about fishing. And I just kept the conversation going because I wanted to talk to Andy Griffith. I've yeah. never fished in my entire life. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was more of an acting job than anything. It was your own acting, yeah. Yeah. But uh, I would have done the same thing. I, I don't know anything about fishing, but I'd have been going, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I said, oh, yeah. 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 That's right. The bass down there. Yeah. They're, they're, they're really good. <laughs> but um, he's. Um, He's, okay. he's a powerful pizza. Alexa. Alexa, stop. He's a he's a very he's a very powerful man, and uh, he knows it. And um, he's incredible, amazingly flirtatious with all the women on the show. I've heard that as well. Yeah. Yeah. But there's a reason there were so many cousins or nieces or whatever the hell those women were for yeah. him. Yeah. It was um. It was a moment in which Aunt B would have been whirling. <laughs> Absolutely whirling. And I know, I'm pretty sure you guys know that her uh, inability to tolerate fools was not. Oh, yeah. No, she didn't have one and was yeah. very outspoken, but she would yeah. have been spinning. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I, oh, yeah. Uh, I have, uh, you know, she retired to Siler City and I have some right. friends who live there and they grew up. She, they she lived in their neighborhood and uh they they used to tell me that at halloween they learned to stop going to her door because she would just anybody that knocked on her door at halloween she would berate them and one of my <laughs> friends actually broke down and cried <laughs> he was just you know like eight or nine he said i broke down and cried because she made me feel so bad she took sympathy on me and like gave her gave him some money or something and said here's ten dollars i'm sorry but now leave. So scary. <laughs> well, supposedly she used to carry her umbrella with her, and if you curse on the set, she would whack you with it. Uh, wow. She was angry. She was a Shakespearean trained actress. Right. New York. Yeah. And yeah. I think that got under her craw, you yeah. know, a lot. But it was God, beneath her, but she but it paid the bills. So Oh, yeah. I know, and what a character! I mean, oh, that's yeah. my way of going you know, to church. I, I grew up with I grew up with Andy, you know, the Andy Griffith Show and Andy Me and Mayberry. Too. And the first encounter with him on the first show I was on, I was on about six of them. Uh-huh. Uh, I the PA came and got me out of my trailer, and I was walking, and there was this giant trailer there, and it said, you know, Mister Griffith on the back of it, and the PA uh, said, "I'm gonna I'm gonna go get Andy, uh, so just wait right here." So I'm standing there and he's banging on the door and he's banging on the door and he's banging on the door. And all of a sudden the door flies open. You see this leg come out with, he was fighting Guillaume Beret then. He had braces on his legs and he had just kicked the door open and he leaned out and said, I'm on the GD phone. 
Can't you see me? I'm on my goddamn phone. <laughs> and I was just, this is my Andy. I can't do it. That's my Andy. So, but yeah. Oh, Golly. Andy, what happened to you? <laughs> but uh, he was always he was always nice to me. That's all I can. It was a great That's set. Good. That's right. They were really yeah. nice folks. Yeah, the set was good. The set was very good, very efficient. Yeah, they I knew what they that. wanted and how to get it, and you know. Yeah. A well-oiled machine. Yeah, yeah. Thank well, you, I, guys. Yeah, no, thank you, thank guys. You so much. I appreciate, appreciate it. your time like that. Thank you so much for your thank time. You. Thank you. Great to see you. This was wonderful, Garrett. Really nice meeting you. Nice to meet you both. It's been an honor. Yeah. Thank you. Bye. All right. Take care. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye. Take care. Like I said at the beginning of this episode, Barry and Lori are two of my favorite people, and I hope that you enjoyed this special bonus episode of the Midnight Movie Snack Podcast. With our interviews, whenever we interview someone, uh, after the interview, we refer to those people as a friend of the show, and I uh, would be honored to add Barry and Lori to those ranks. And I hope that an opportunity comes up that we can talk to them again very soon. Hope you enjoyed this episode. Uh, to learn more about our podcast, visit us on Instagram at the Midnight Movie Snack Podcast. You can also check out Garrett at All Things 80s with Garrett on Instagram and YouTube. Support for the Midnight Movie Snack Podcast is made available by listeners like you. Your monthly donations help keep the podcast running, delivering episodes about the movies we all love. To learn more about how you can support the podcast, check out the link in the show notes. And until next time, thanks for listening.